0: Welcome to the Sermon Podcast of Damascus Road Church. For more information about Damascus Road Church, go to DamascusRoadOnline.com. Good stuff, yeah? Hey, if you have a Bible, open up to Acts 10. We're going to close up the series that we've been in, on Covenant and Kingdom. And the idea through this whole series has been that there are these two mega themes in the Bible running through all of the pages of the Bible, these two themes of covenant and kingdom. Covenant means you have a father, and kingdom means you have a king, and they're they're the same guy, right? They're the same God. That he reaches out and establishes relationship with us. The covenant offers relationship from a father, and from that relationship, we get an identity. Where the world wants to press an identity on us, God gives us an identity as a daughter or son of him. And then, he, and, and then we know that our father is also the king. And we're citizens. We're members of a kingdom. And that brings on responsibility. And it's, it's covenant before kingdom, not the other way around. Like, we don't start being responsible and then find ourselves in relationship with him. Right? We don't start doing good stuff, doing God's stuff, and then find ourselves in relationship with him. We find ourselves called as a child of God... And then we respond in obedience because that's true to who we are. Not because it's a checklist that we do, but because it's who God made us to be and we respond that way and we have responsibility as citizens of his kingdom. So if we've taken a walk through the pages of the Bible to to look at Abraham and Sarah and how God initiated the covenant with him way back when and told Abraham, like, your descendants are going to be more numerous than the stars. Look up at the sky and I will make your descendants more than you can count here. We we look at at Joseph, how Joseph, because he knew his identity, was able to be responsible, was able to act according to, To God as king and be faithful no matter where he found himself. We talked about Moses and how because God called him his, he enabled Moses to go and lead the people out of slavery into freedom. And the covenant and the kingdom leading the way. And we talked about Jesus coming close. And God, our covenant partner, sees us in trouble and comes for us in a way that we would never have expected or never even dreamed about coming as a baby. Jesus actually grew up as a Middle Eastern refugee if you walk through the pages of his early life. They had to like flee to Egypt because uh, Herod was trying to kill him. He's a Middle Eastern refugee. is our savior and our king. We talked about Jesus coming. We talked about Jesus and the temptations, the way he was able to stand up to temptation because he knew who he was, because he even uh, stood in the covenant. And then the kingdom came. Last week we talked about the cross, about how on the cross Jesus became sins so that we could become sons and daughters. Jesus became sin. He took all of our sin. He took all of our debt. And he said, I'll take that. And in exchange, you get to be adopted by God. You get to be in the covenant. And it's not a covenant that you can break. It's a covenant that I've done everything to secure. Everything to bring victory. All you have to do is believe. Walk in this. That you are mine. That I know your name. That you are God's child. And we follow Jesus. Today we're going to talk about after the cross what happened. What happened with the covenant and the kingdom after Jesus died, after he rose again. I love what it says in Isaiah. In Isaiah 49 16, God talks to his people and he says, See, I have engraved, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. And Jesus rises from the dead and he, he meets His disciples, and he says, I want you to touch the scars, as if to say, I want you to see that you are engraved in the palms of my hands. And Thomas falls down at his feet and he says, My Lord and my God, he's entering into the covenant and he's entering into the kingdom at the same time. Jesus has these covenant kingdom conversations before he dies, and then continuing on after. And today what I want to do is I want to take a look at the life of Peter. Peter has this really life-changing conversation with Jesus before Jesus is crucified. And it's about identity, it's about who he is, and it's about what Jesus is giving him the authority to do. And then after Jesus dies, and after Jesus leaves, he ascends and he goes back to heaven, and after the Holy Spirit comes with great power, and enables them to live a spirit-filled life of power. What happens in Peter um, goes beyond what he expected would happen. So, I'm going I'm to read this passage in Matthew 16, and you can hold your finger on Acts 10, because that's where we're going. Matthew 16, uh, Jesus brings his uh, disciples to Caesarea Philippi, and this was, a, this was a scene of um, lots of debauchery, lots of stuff like that people would say, oh, that's, that's like the gates of hell was actually a real place at Caesarea Philippi. All kinds of evil were coming up out of this place. It says in Matthew 16, 13, now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? That's a name that he gave himself, the Son of Man. So he's saying, You are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. I love this conversation. Jesus says, who do you say I am? There's a lot to chatter. There's lots of people with lots of opinions, but it matters who you say I am. And Peter gets it right. Lots of times Peter gets it wrong. This time Peter got it right. He says, you are the Christ. You're the one we've been waiting for. You're God in the flesh. Come here to rescue us. And Jesus says, yes. And I'm going to change your name. Everybody's known you as Simon. And I'm going to call you Peter, which means little rock. What's cool about this is Jesus calls himself the rock. So when he calls Peter the little rock, he's saying, I'm going to give you part of my identity. I'm bring- this is covenant language. I'm bringing me to you. You will be shaped by my identity. My identity becomes yours. And you don't have to worry about that. And on this identity, on this covenant, I'm going to build my church. I'm going to build my church. And the gates of hell, all this stuff you see behind us right now, all this stuff that's going on, All this evil in the world that's going on, it will not prevail. It won't prevail because I'm stronger. The covenant is stronger than that. And then he says this incredible thing to Peter. He says, I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom. I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom. Remember the first time you got your driver's license and your parents gave you keys? And they said, like, it's yours to drive. Maybe not yours to own, but you're like you felt freedom in that and you felt there's an authority that you have now that you didn't previously have if somebody gives you a key to their house they're saying you have the ability to come in anytime you want like our house is open to you when when Jesus gives Peter the keys to the kingdom he hands Peter authority is when he says whatever you bind will be bound whatever you loose will be loose like you tie things up and it's going to be it's going to stay there you set things free and it's going to go nuts and this is in your hand so then this conversation wraps up Peter's still trying to figure out what Jesus means by calling him Peter by calling him rock by sharing his identity this conversation ends Peter's chewing on it and he continues to like step forward and then Crash and like screw up and all, all kinds of stuff. Peter was, uh, he's a case study in um, diving into something before he knew what he was getting into. And I, I just love what happens. And then Jesus dies and Peter fights it the whole time. He cuts a dude's ear off, like we talked last week, and Jesus is saying, No, that's not what my kingdom is about. That's not what my kingdom is about. Jesus dies. And he rises again. And he shows himself to Peter and the rest of his followers. And then he, just before he ascends, he says, I I want you to wait for the power. I want you to wait for the Spirit. You've been running ahead of stuff. You've been trying to do your best. It's a good job. But like when the Holy Spirit comes, everything changes. And I want you to wait. You will receive power. To do what I've called you to do. And you remember the keys to the kingdom. You'll receive power. To act with the authority that I've given you. He says you'll be my witnesses. In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. And to the ends of the earth. That's Acts one eight. Now all Peter knew was Jerusalem. All Peter knew was his people. And Peter starts the church in Jerusalem. Peter is called the apostle to the Jews. Like that was his main emphasis. And Paul takes over, and Paul kind of becomes the apostle uh, to the Gentiles, to, the, to outside. So Jerusalem is like right where you are, and Judea is like just a little bit more expanded, and Samaria is people who are very different from you. They come from different backgrounds. They come from different walks of life. And Jesus says, you're to be my witnesses with them. And he says, you're going to go even to the ends of the earth being my witnesses. And I'm sure that they thought like, yep, yeah, that sounds great. And we're all in. And they didn't really know what that meant until Holy Spirit starts to wake them up to all that God had. So if you're in Acts 10, I'm going to read in Acts 10. We're going to jump in and out of Acts 10 and kind of walk through this. What happens what happens in Acts nine is this guy, Saul, who has been killing Christians, gets knocked on his back by God and says, "Why are you doing this?" And God changes Saul's name to Paul, and Paul starts to come alive to the stuff that God is doing. And then God, kind of uh, Luke who's writing it, redirects the story into Jerusalem to Peter. and Paul's going to jump back into the story. In the coming chapters. But right now let's focus on Peter. At the beginning of Acts 10. This guy named Cornelius has uh, a message from God. Cornelius is not a Jew. Cornelius is a Gentile. uh, But he has this word from God that says. You need to go find Peter. And he's like. I don't know what I'm going to do with that. But I'm going to go find Peter now. Because God's so clearly to talk to him. And so he sent some guys to go get Peter to invite him to his home. Now, we're going to read uh, Acts 10, starting in verse 9. This is just after Cornelius has had the word from God, has sent his guys to go get Peter. And um, in verse 9, it says, The next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And we might stop there and say, hold on, you're like arguing with God? And I think what's going on in Peter's mind is God's testing him. I think Peter thinks God is testing him to say, hey, Peter, will you eat this stuff or will you remain pure? Will you remain clean? And Peter says, oh, I'm all in. I'm clean. I'm only going to eat the food that you've told us to eat. And God says, I have something new growing have something new happening. Verse 15, the voice came to him again a second time. What God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times and the thing was taken up once, at once to heaven. So in, in Senegal, um, this is a climate where it's real hot and they have a flat roof on top of the hotel that we stay at a lot of times and on the roof there's this like rectangular canopy we can sit in the comfortable chairs the the breeze is blowing the canopy is uh, saving us from the sun and it may have been a roof sort of similar to this that peter is up on and then he sees this sheet descending and i can almost envision like sitting up on the rooftop in chess senegal and having this sheet canopy start to descend down And in it are all kinds of animals, all, like all kinds of stuff. And this, he hears this voice saying, eat this. And he says, no, I can't. God says, don't eat this stuff. And God says, I'm doing something new. I'm calling this clean. I'm calling it good. You can do this. And then it goes up. And Peter's like, that was kind of wild. I don't know what to do with that. And then there's a knock on the door. And the Jews show up. And they say, we're looking looking for Peter. And Peter's like, "Mm, yep, that's me. We need you to come to Cornelius' house, who's a Gentile. And I think pieces start to connect. Pieces start to come into Peter's mind like, well, I just had this vision, and God is saying something to me. And now a Gentile, whose house I would never have entered because it would make me unclean, has invited me. It's time to go. I'm gonna see what God is doing. And so Peter goes, he accepts the invitation. And uh, in Acts twenty-seven, in Acts twenty-seven, the story continues there. He so he like he gets to the house, and Cornelius, when Peter arrives, bows down to worship him. And Peter says, No, 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 no. I'm just a guy. I'm just a guy. And then he says, as they talked with him, he went in and found many persons gathered. And he said to them, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew, like me, Peter, to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation. That's you. Like, I shouldn't be here. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. Peter's saying, I think God is breaking some walls down. And if you think about it, when Jesus is on the cross, when he dies, what's one of the things that happens? That curtain in the temple that separated people from God, the the curtain is torn from top to bottom. And it's saying, the wall that divided God from people is now gone. Jesus made a way that we can connect. We get to connect with God. We get to have a relationship with God because of what Jesus did. And it goes beyond just the the curtain in the temple tearing. That wall went away, and there's more walls coming down. Peter has this dream that says, what used to be considered unclean is now considered clean. And you need to go into this house. And you need to have a relationship with these people. And I can only imagine that it's blowing Peter's mind. Everything that I thought is changing as Jesus has called me into his covenant and he's calling me now to go. Is this what he meant by Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth? Like people not like me, not just Jews, is who who Jesus came for? Jesus tore the... Jesus tore the curtain and that wall went away. And now Jesus says, the walls that have been up between people groups need to come down too. If you're going to live in my kingdom, I don't like those walls. Jesus says, or uh, Peter says to Cornelius, why did you you call for me? I don't even know I'm here. And Cornelius says, I don't know. I was praying, God told me to get you, here we are. (laughs) It's like they're both staring at each other going, what next? What what are we supposed to be doing here? And in Acts 10.34, Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly I understand, God shows no partiality, but in every nation anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. For the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. Peter wakes up. He says, God gave me a dream. And he's saying, what was unclean is now clean. Like, you get to partake. You get to enter into it. Cornelius has this voice from God saying, go get Peter. And they're standing face to face. And they're saying, what is going on? And Peter says, this is what's going on. Jesus is Lord of all. Jesus is not just Lord in Jerusalem. Jesus is not just Lord of... the. He's not just for the Jews. He's for Jews and Gentiles alike, which is really good for me and really good for you because we're not Jewish. We're mostly, I would guess, Gentile heritage. And Jesus says... Those walls are coming down, and Peter, for the first time, gets it. And what happens from this conversation is Peter goes back to Jerusalem. He meets Paul, who has been rocked by God and feels called to the Gentiles. And the Jewish Christians are like, nope, that's not how this works. And Peter says, it is absolutely how this is going to work. Paul is going to go, and the gospel is going to spread from Jerusalem into Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, to all kinds of people, because God doesn't show partiality. God doesn't look at us and say, you are my chosen people. He looks at all different kinds of people, and he says, you are all my chosen people. I came for all of you, all different cultures, all different nationalities. So, remember he's got the keys to the kingdom. And at at one point, I'm pretty sure he was using the keys to unlock the Jewish community for Jesus. And he thought that was it. Jesus says, I think there's a second key that you need to use now. And the second key opens up the door to way more people than you ever thought. What happens in covenant and kingdom is in the covenant, you get a father. And you get value placed upon you. Not value that you've earned, but value placed upon you. And when you understand that the father loves you and calls you his child, what comes with that is an authority when you recognize your dad is king. You have an authority now as a child of the king. God has given you the keys to the kingdom. God just shouldn't hold that and give it to Peter. God gave you in Christ as a child of his the keys to the kingdom. And you know what he wants you to do with that? Open doors. Open doors. Go bless people. Go love people. The the covenant gives you value and the kingdom gives you vision. So one one of the challenge questions that I want to ask you this morning is whose kingdom is first in your life? Whose kingdom do you first bow to? There's lots of language going around. Like in politics today, in the news, in headlines, rhetoric that is trying to divide people. And to to call some people or countries or groups of people less than. Not as valuable. And you hold the keys to a kingdom that Jesus opened up. Saying every, every person is the same in God's eyes. You don't get to do that. As Christians, as Christians we need to first be members of God's kingdom. As Christians, we need to be first people who are opening doors, people who are reaching out, people who are loving others no matter where they come from. Paul, or Peter, used to see other people as common or unclean. And then he says, now I see that's not how God sees it. That's not how God sees it. And we as Christians are not allowed to look at other people or other ethnicities or other countries and say they are less valuable. Why would we ever want to have a relationship with them? They don't have anything to offer us. Is not something that should come out of the mouth of a Christian. Part of what bugs me about this. and and like news headlines lately, is I've been in Haiti, and I've been in Africa, and places where, these are the places being called out right now, people of less value, or countries of less value, or however that rhetoric is going. And I don't care about politics, but I care about people. And I care about the people in those countries I have friends there. In 2009, I first went to uh, Africa. That was my first trip. This February will be my fourth trip there. I had gone to Mexico and I had gone to Haiti a number of times and I'll tell you what, the hospitality that I received there blew me away. Meals that I was given um, at the end of a week of building relationship where I knew they they didn't have the money to, to do this meal. This was extravagant. And I was just floored. I could not believe it. In 2009, I walked into an African village of Godel. I have no business being there. I have no credentials. I don't deserve to be there. I, there's nothing in me that should be there. And then, and then I found myself sitting with the chief, invited into the chief's compound, sitting next to my dad with the chief having a conversation, a guy who's a Muslim running the village, and I'm invited in, into him. And it, went, it was one of the most powerful moments of grace that I've had in my life. I remember looking beyond the chief to the landscape and thinking, God, how in the world am I here right now? And how in the world am I invited here right now and at home here right now? Because I don't deserve it. My first trip, they did this ceremony in the church, in the village. Where members from our team uh, were given a name. I have a namesake. My name is Samba in the village. Because there's a guy in the village named Samba. And he says, I'm going to transfer my identity to you. You are welcome in the village. Because you have my name. how would I get that? <laughs> I don't even know what I'm supposed to do with that. My, like, you call me Salma now, or Shannon's Shannon still good? Like, this cool shoes. <laughs> I was given a name. I was given identity, and I was given a welcome. This last time that I went, last year, when Michael and Julie and I went with Damascus Road, at the end of the trip, because this was my third trip uh, they gave me this super colorful shirt. Can you, can you put this picture up? You won't see me wearing the shirt here, but probably not, okay? This is, this is Samba, by the way. Um, and the other guy is Samba, too. So uh, Samba gives me his name this last trip. They gave me this shirt. You know what this shirt means? That I'm true Senegalese. Like, but, like, I didn't do anything. I don't deserve that. And it's an honor that they gave me. It's an honor that they gave us as an extension, right? Because we're in relationship. They welcomed me. They called me their own. And they gave me a shirt that said, You, haven't, you are welcome always here. You are home when you come here. Now, I can't process being able to look out at people and say, Why would we ever want to have a relationship with them? They have nothing to offer us. That's sickening to me because of the welcome we've received. And it's not about money, it's not about earthly stuff, it's about the value of people and relationships. Samba is my brother, and we are the same in God's eyes. He looks at both of us and he sees Jesus. We have to do better. I have friends from these countries and you may too. Because the covenant and the kingdom demands that we look at people through a different set of eyes. One of the most striking tweets that I read this week just quoted John 1, 46. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? I'll tell you what, that was powerful for me. I think our Savior, our God, was born to a family in the Middle East. He became a refugee. And people, when he started walking around calling people to follow him, this dude runs after his brother and says, you, you, We found him. We found the Messiah. you got to come. He's Jesus from Nazareth. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Because that's how our mind works. We look at what is going on on the outside and we put that value on people. And God slams that. God just abolishes that kind of thinking. Our very God took on flesh and came from a town that had no value. If that doesn't redefine the way we look at people, the way we value people, The way we value people from different countries. I don't know what's wrong. It absolutely redefines who we are and how we see. The covenant and kingdom. We are daughters and we are sons. We are ambassadors. Jesus wants us to share that. Jesus wants us to take the keys that he's given us To the kingdom. And rather than locking the door shut. From other people so that we can be safe. Open the doors. And bless other people. Damascus Road. We've been given the keys. We have to use it well. You use it well. This assignment. This week. This is your assignment. I want you to. I want you to find somebody who you would normally lock out. And I want you to open up. Now, I don't want you to do this if this person is dangerous to you or if this person has caused you harm like, and it's not safe. I don't want you to like, go beyond wisdom here. But I want you to find somebody who you would normally lock out and I want you to open up to them. Maybe you just serve them. Maybe you just acknowledge them. Maybe you reach out and you find a way to love them. And it could be simply, maybe it's Jim like punching a dude in the stomach a whole bunch. Right? Find a way to connect with somebody that you would normally lock out this week. Don't just like say, yeah, that's a good idea. That's how Jesus wants me to see. Do something with it. Do something with it this week. Invite them to something. Invite them with you. To something. Find a way to love. Through the pages of the Bible, covenant and kingdom uh, show us what God is about. That He's come and He's brought us into relationship and He's called us sons and daughters. And as children of the King, we're, we're called to be responsible in His kingdom. It's time to open doors up. Let's pray. Father, would you give us your eyes? Would you help us to see ourselves as you see us? Would you help us to see ourselves as loved, as your children? Even grown men and women need parents. We need you. We can see ourselves as your child. And mature at the same time. Thank you for calling us yours. And would you give us your eyes for others. When you wrap the whole uh, instruction of the Bible up. Into love God and love others. Would you help us to see that way. Would you help us to look for people that way. And as we've been given the keys to the kingdom. Would you make us door openers rather than door lockers? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.